Hey everyone, welcome to the Cornerstone Church Podcast. Our prayer is that through this message, you will find the Father, a family, and a fulfilling future. Be sure to connect with us online at Cornerstone Church Social to keep up with all things Cornerstone. Thanks for tuning in. Uh, I want to say happy Halloween. It's good to see everybody today. I hope that you guys had a good uh, uh, weekend, a little Halloween weekend. Anybody get any good candy? Are we more chocolate candy or fruit candy people? Chocolate, chocolate, peanut butter, not the third category, peanut butter. I, missed, I don't know how I missed that one. Um, but yeah, it's good to see everybody. Happy Halloween to everybody watching online too. Uh, we are finishing out our How to Still Survive a Horror Movie series. I honestly have no idea how we're here. It felt, feels like we went from October 1st to October 31st in three days. Uh, but here we are, <laughs> the final day of the month, and we are finishing this series. I hope that you've enjoyed it. I hope it's been helpful. Um, if you've missed any of these, make sure that you go online and, and check out our service archive. Uh, uh, we've, we've had uh, four weeks previous that you may have missed out on, looking at different common horror movie tropes, different themes that we see pop up in horror movies all the time, and how in the middle of those, there are actually a lot of truth, uh, little nuggets of truth that we can actually see in Scripture, too. Uh, these little these themes that keep recurring over and over again, we can see, wow, these actually pop up in my own life, and here's what Scripture has to say about that idea. So we've talked about getting ourselves a tune-up, making sure that our faith can start whenever we find ourselves in horror movie moments in life. We, we've talked about uh, bewaring where we build. That's what we talked about last week, this idea that we don't want to build on the foundation uh, of, of dead things, right? That we want to build on the foundation of Jesus as the solid rock and on him alone. So that's where we've been. Like I said, four weeks. Make sure you go check them out if you've missed them. But today what we're going to be talking about in our time together uh, is probably the most common horror movie trope that there is. It's the most common recurring theme that you see over and over and over again. And that is this, that in horror movies, out of the 99% of all deaths that occur, 99% of them are people running away from the killer and they get killed, right? Like pretty much every person that dies in a horror movie dies in this motion. Like they're, they're mid-sprint, they're mid-run, they're trying to get away from the killer, and it goes horribly wrong. My wife and I just went, uh, we had a, a date night the other night, we went and saw a very, the, the rom-com of the season, uh, Halloween Kills, uh, family film, right? Just a feel-good, feel-good movie. Uh, we went and saw the new Halloween movie, and let me tell you, it's, it's constant running, right? It's just constant running from, from the bad guy. If you took, the, like, if you were able to digitally alter the movie to renew, uh, remove the uh, knives from it, you would think that it was just, like, you're watching the Boston Marathon or something, because it's just people running. It's just people running away, right? People running away. Uh, and terrible things happen every single time these people run away from Michael Myers. Every single time. Um, people... Uh, they run and they trip over, you know, air. They just trip over air and then they break their leg and they're, oh, while he's walking towards them and catches up, right? People, um, uh, they're, they're trying to run away from him. And this is one of the worst things. They, they turn their back on him and they start running and then they turn around and they've lost sight of him. He's disappeared now. And now he's gonna pop up who knows where, right? Um, and then there's just the people who, who just run and they run right into him. They think they're running away and they run right into him. And it just goes to show in all of these movies, not just the Halloween movies, in all these horror movies, running is just never a good option. It never works out. 
All that it does, all that it does is delay the inevitable. We're watching this movie and I'm thinking to myself, what? save your strength, save it. You're gonna need it because at the end of that run, guess who's gonna be there? <laughs> the killer, like he's waiting for you. You need to save some energy so you can square up because let me tell you, you're not gonna be able to outrun him. He's inevitable. He's at the end of every run that you make. And I say all of that to say this. Horror movie moments in your life, moments that crop up where where life throws you a curveball and you find yourself in this terrifying situation, horror movie moments are a lot like Michael Myers. They're inevitable. It doesn't matter if you run. It doesn't matter if you try to get away. You try to flee. No matter how quickly you run, no matter how fast you take off, they seem to come up out of nowhere. And what I want to challenge you today, and I'm challenging myself in the same breath, what I want to challenge us today is as we look at our life and see horror movie moments that we find ourselves in, what I want to challenge you to do is stop running. Stop running. Fight or flight? No, just fight. (laughs) Just fight. Because when life brings those horror movie moments to your front door, when you find yourself in the middle of it, fighting is the only way that you're going to get through it. It just is. And you need courage, and I need courage to get us through that. So if you will, let's bow our heads, and let's pray together real quick. Heavenly Father, today we come before your throne, and we ask for courage. We ask for bravery. We ask for boldness to be able to stand up to the fights, to the opposition, to the challenges that we come across in life. Because, God, we know we will come across them. We know that uh, no matter how good and how sweet life may seem at the moment for some of us, there is another hurdle coming. There, there's, there's another hiccup coming. There's another killer coming. And we want to be ready. So God, go before us in this moment to give us steel in our backbones that we would be able to not run from the fights that find us, but that we would instead turn and face them down with you being our help. We love you, Father, and we pray all this in your name. Amen. Amen. Um, I, I can't speak for anybody else, but I know for me, I... I would love to have a soundtrack for my life. Is anybody else hip to that idea? Anybody online? I would love to have a, my life would be 12 times cooler than it currently is if I had a soundtrack just playing behind me for every moment that I find myself in. Uh, one thing that I really like about soundtracks, and again, we just seeing this movie, Halloween Kills, it, it, uh, it, it like reasserted the reason why soundtracks are so great. One of the things about soundtracks that are awesome that would be great to have in my own personal life is they give little cues to what's about to happen. So you're watching a movie and like a character, they're having, it's like a, a legal drama, right? And one, one guy's telling another character like, hey, look, I'm, I'm gonna give you a little bit of information, but you gotta take this to your grave. You can't tell anybody. And he's like, oh, I swear, I won't tell a soul. And all of a sudden you hear, like you hear dramatic music come in you're like oh that dude's gonna talk he's gonna sing like a canary he's gonna tell everybody what's going on because the soundtrack's giving you the cue like this dude he's gonna spill it to everybody and i wish i could have that in my own life where i could know in the moment hey something's happening here (laughs) like i know you're hearing one thing i know you're seeing one thing but this is actually pretty important right in halloween They have a soundtrack that lets you know something important is about to happen. You can kind of tune out watching the movie, but as soon as you hear, you're like, oh, well, who's about to get theirs? Like, who's who's he coming for, right? And so me and Jessica were watching the movie, and sure enough, 
They're, there's characters, and they're introducing them, and they're like, oh, they're kind of funny. I like this new character. I like the direction they're going. And then they round a corner, and you hear, dun, 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 dun. you're like, well, man, I kind of liked them. That stinks, <laughs> right? <laughs> Nothing's happened yet, but you know. You know what's coming or who is coming because the soundtrack gives it away. Something inevitable is coming. And the, the character may not know it, but there is nothing they can do to avoid Michael Myers, right? They, they can't avoid it. And that's the thing about horror movie moments in our own life, these moments where we suddenly find ourselves just in a desperate, anxiety-inducing situation. There, there's three different kinds of horror movie moments. One are horror, horror movie moments that we just completely can miss. We talked about this idea last week. Um, beware where you build. We were talking about the idea that if we build on the solid foundation of Jesus, if we trust in him and we build the, 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 the house of our life on him, that there's a whole lot of horror movie moments in our life we can just completely avoid. We can just completely avoid things because we have made the right decision to trust in him alone and to put our confidence in him rather than ourselves, which is great. So there's horror movie moments that you can miss. Then there's horror movie moments that you can manage. You don't miss them. They come to your front door, and you got to manage it. We talked about this week one with Get Yourself a Tune-Up, this idea of, man, it, I'm finding myself in the middle of this terrible situation. I've got to change some things up. i got to start feeding and, and taking care of my faith in a new way so that I can get trust in God that I need to have to get myself through this. So there's horror movie moments you can miss, horror movie moments that you can manage, but then, unfortunately, and I hate to say this, this is not going to be a real, like, kind of sermon today. It's just not, because there's some horror movie moments that are just mandatory. They just happen. You can pray, you can know it's coming, you can do all that, and it comes all the same. So there's some horror movie moments you can miss, some that you can manage, but there is a whole other category, and that's the category we're talking about today, the ones that are mandatory, and they just come. They're inevitable. They're Michael Myers. No matter what you do, they're there. Has a killer arrived for you? I know the people in this congregation. I know some of you, yes, it has. Some of you, um, it, it's kind of uh, crazy, the, the, the movie, Michael Myers, whenever you see the credits, it never says Michael Myers played by so-and-so. It says The Shape. That's, that's what his name is in these movies, The Shape, because he always just seems to take a shape lurking in the shadows. And I think about that, and I think about us, and I'm like, well, yeah, maybe you're in a horror movie moment, and it's taken on a certain shape for you. It doesn't look the same way for everybody, but maybe your horror movie moment has looked like a miscarriage, right? And that's scary, and there's nothing you could do to prevent it, but you find yourself in the middle of it now, and it's terrifying, and it's anxiety-inducing, and it's depression Inducing, and you've got to learn how do I deal with this? How do I fight through this? Or do I run from the feelings that I'm feeling? Maybe you're finding yourself in the middle of, of, of friends or of parents who are divorcing, and you've done nothing. You're, you've tried to prevent it, and you're just stuck in it. You're stuck in the middle of it now, and it's completely changed your idea of, of those friends, or it's completely changed your idea of your parents and of what love is and what forever looks like. It's just completely uprooted all of those ideas for you, and you're wondering, how do I fight through this? Maybe it's your health or the health of a loved one. We, we have numerous people in our church who've had not just minor but major surgeries recently, like life-changing kind of surgeries, and that's scary. That's terrifying because those are things that change your life 
And it's, it's issues that these people couldn't have done anything to prevent. It just came. It just happened. They were inevitable. These mandatory horror movie moments that came up in their life. I've been there. I, I, I will say this, though. <clears throat> I've lived a pretty charmed life. Like, I'm not, I'm not one to be like, man, where I came from, who things were tough. No, they were not. <laughs> like, things were actually really good for me. Like, I had a, a loving family. I, I've had a lot of good stuff go for me. Like, I, I have been a, a very blessed person in so many ways. Um, but, but a horror movie moment in my life was my dad's death. It was sudden. It was tragic. We didn't know this was going to happen. And, man, in that moment, it was like, whoa, how am I going to handle this? Like, how do, I move, how do I fight through these feelings that I'm having? How do I manage this in a, in a godly way? How do I actually get through the other side, or do I not? Do I just run from what I'm feeling? Do I run from the way that I'm feeling about God and about uh, uh, my dad and about all of these issues? And it stinks because there was nothing I could do to avoid it. It was mandatory. <laughs> this wasn't a horror movie moment I could miss. So it wasn't a horror movie moment that I could just kind of manage my way out of. No, it was a mandatory one that I would have to fight through. And that really is the question for us because those moments are coming for you. If you're not in one right now, one is coming sometime. I can't tell you when, but sometime it is coming for you. And you have the same decision as I have, the same decision that everyone who has ever lived has. Will we fight our way through or will we take flight? <laughs> Will we fight our way through or will we just flee and run away from the issue and act like it's not even really an issue or try to numb our feelings in a different way, in a relationship, in a substance, in something else? Will we fight or will we flee? What will we do when the horror movie moment comes for us? I want to tell you, and I mean, we know, we know this is true, but I feel like I need to say it. <laughs> Fleeing, taking flight, it does not fix the problem. It just frustrates it. It just aggravates it. It just makes it worse. It just strains your relationships more. I've, I've been in this situation where I have strained relationships, and I have that moment. I can see the fight coming. I see, I see the killer. I'm hearing, -na 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 -na, and rather, rather than fighting, I'm like, yep, I'm out. <laughs> like, I'm just going gonna, gonna to take off. I'm out. I don't want to deal with this. I don't want to face it. I'm just going to run and hope that the killer forgets about me or hope that I can just push this off to the second act or the third act or maybe to the sequel or the, the three-part. Like, I just keep kicking this can down the road because it's scary. And I don't want to have those conversations because they're hard, because things will change, right? And what I have discovered, what I have found out is fleeing, taking flight helps nothing, Nothing. If anything, you notice that the strain and the tension gets worse and worse the more you put it off. It just builds and builds. So rather than it fixing anything, rather than making the killer goes away, the killer's there, but he's angrier than ever. But he's stronger than ever. He's worse than ever. Fleeing doesn't fix our problems and only frustrates them. The killer is still coming. He's still coming. There are certain issues that are just mandatory. There are certain issues that you just have to deal with. No one knows that better than our king. <laughs> no one knows that better than Jesus. There are some things that you just have to do. There are some things that you just have to deal with. I mean, talk about a horror movie moment. The cross? Are you kidding me? Is there any worse horror movie moment than what Jesus endured on the cross. Jesus' crucifixion, how brutal, the agony he faced, the pain he faced, 
the isolation, feeling separated from God. And even though Jesus knew that's what awaited him, even though Jesus knew the cross, and he was abundantly aware of what all the cross would entail for him, even though he saw that coming, Jesus still fought. When the choice was, hey, do you want to flee from this moment or do you want to fight, Jesus decided to fight. Listen to how Luke words it in his gospel. This is Luke chapter 9, verse 51. As the time approached for him, for Jesus to be taken to heaven, he resolutely set out for Jerusalem. The city where Jesus knew he would be killed. The city where Jesus knew, if I show my face in there again, those people hate me there. The religious leaders cannot stand me if I go back there and I keep doing what I do, I I know where this is gonna end. It's gonna end on a cross. And still, he resolutely set out for Jerusalem because he knew this is mandatory. This horror movie moment, this thing that's so terrifying, this thing that's so scary, this thing that's gonna have me weeping blood from the pain and from the stress and from the anxiety I'm feeling it, 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 it's so important, it's so important that even despite all that, I'm still walking towards it. I'm still going to fight rather than flee. Jesus ran to the fight. And from Jesus's posture of running to his fight, we can learn so much. We can learn so much from what he shows us. First off, what we can see is this. No one is exempt from the fight. Nobody No one, I don't care how good you think you are, I don't care how many people like you, I don't care if you won Miss Congeniality or Mr. Popularity, people love you and everyone seems to think you're a great person, I don't care. If they came for Jesus, they're gonna come for you. (laughs) If Jesus couldn't avoid conflict, what makes you think you'll be able to skate through life without really having, you know, uh, uh, come to blows at some point or another with somebody else? You can't. You can't come to expect that. No one is exempt. We need to expect the fight. We need to expect that there will be confrontation at some point in our life. Jesus was the best person ever, and the worst thing possible happened to him. That should be a reality check for all of us. You want to know, so Luke, I just read you Luke chapter 9, verse 51. You know what happens in verses 1 through 50? Some, just some of the things, Jesus uh, uh, commands his followers to go out to help people, to heal the sick, to give to the poor, to preach uh, uh, the kingdom of God. They go do that. Jesus feeds 5,000 people with the help of his disciples. He, he does that. Jesus heals a demon-possessed boy, casts, casts out the demon, gives this, this boy a, a chance at life again. Jesus does all those incredible self-sacrificing things, and yet he knows people are going to want to kill me. No one's exempt from the fight. So expect it. Expect it. Expect that the fight will come. And that's not a bad thing. Like I know, like I said, this isn't a very sunny, cheery sermon today, right? Shocking that since we're talking about horror movies that it's not sunny or cheery, right? Um, but, but there's nothing bad about expecting that fights will come in life. And again, I don't, I don't mean like literal fisticuffs, a brouhaha, or anything like that. I'm just talking about confrontation, man. It, it's gonna come, and it's not a bad thing to expect that it's gonna come. Because when you expect things, you prepare yourself. Expectation breeds preparation. The more that you expect things to happen, the more that you will prepare for them. Jesus prepared for the cross his whole life. His entire life was a step-by-step preparation for what he was going to accomplish 
on the cross. Think about it. Jesus was preparing. The bookends of Jesus' ministry were him preparing for the cross. Temptation in the desert, temptation in the garden, right? Temptation in the desert to, hey, walk away from this. I can give you everything you want. I can give you the kingdoms of the world, the, the glory. All you gotta do is walk away from the fight, Jesus. You don't need to do this. All the way to the garden. Jesus, you don't need to do this. This cup, this burden is too heavy for anyone to bear. You shouldn't have to do this. There's gotta be another way. Ask your, just, just ask yourself. There's gotta be another way to do this. Jesus faced all this temptation. He faced these trials, but because he was prepared, because he was preparing himself, he was able to get through. And he prepared himself because he expected it. He expected it. He knew there would be pushback. He knew that people would be coming for him. And because he expected it, he was prepared for it. It makes me think these, these movies that we were just watching, the, the Halloween movies. So uh, let me give you a little quick background. Um, so the original Halloween came out in 1978, um, and then they came out with the new sequel. So they ignored all the other sequels that came out, Halloween 2, Halloween 3, all those. They acted like those never happened, and they came out with one in 2018, which was supposed to be the first true sequel to Halloween that came out in 1978. And so in Halloween 1978, Jamie Lee Curtis's character, Lori Strode, she's, I mean, she's just like a, a young, innocent high school girl. All of her friends make fun of her because she's like such a goody two-shoes, right? And um, she, she's babysitting uh, kids in the neighborhood, and that's whenever Michael Myers returns back to Haydenfield, and, and everything goes crazy, right? So that's her in that original one. You watch her, and it's just like little baby face, Jamie Lee Curtis and everything. Skip forward to 2018, and what, what, what they've been preparing you for is that at the end of the 1978 movie, Michael has been arrested by the police. He's been sent back to prison. He's been at prison for, for 40 years. He's been at this mental institution. But whenever you see Lori, she is completely different. She isn't the little innocent, doe-eyed girl from the first movie. She is like, she, you don't want to cross her, right? Like, she's packing. Her house is nuts. It's got booby traps set all over, trap doors. She's got the thing ready, set with explosives to, like, set the house on fire. It's, it's insane. Like, her house is, is just set, and she's just like a survivalist. And all of this, the whole reasoning behind it is because she knows, well, even though Michael's been arrested, even though he's been put in prison, I expect he's going to get out. I expect he's going to get out, and I expect he's going to come for me to finish the job. And I am not going to be found by him like I was in 1978. This little girl who has no way to really defend herself. No, I'm going to prepare. So if he comes for me, he's going to rue the day he came for me. Like, I'm going to be ready for him. Her expectation drove her preparation. She was preparing for this moment because she expected that it would happen. We need to get there, church. We need to get there. We need to expect sometimes that we're going to have conflict. We need to expect sometimes that we're, we're, we're going to have, you know, some, some conversations that we need to have, some, some ways that we need to talk with people, and it's uncomfortable, and it's difficult, but we need to expect it. Because if we expect it, we're more likely to prepare for it. And this is what I want to let you know. Preparation, I'm not, I'm not telling you go out there asking for a fight with anybody. Preparation isn't asking for a fight. Preparation is being ready to answer the door whenever you know you need to walk through it. That's what it means to prepare. I, I tell that to pretty much every couple that I counsel 
for uh, premarital counseling, I tell them this. Like, man, just, just be prepared. Like, I hate whenever people tell you, you know, marriage is the hardest thing I've ever done. Like, what a way to pump someone up for marriage, right? Like, oh, it's a battle every day, every single day. Like, geez, man, wow, <laughs> pretty intense. I don't tell people that, but I do tell people, I, whenever you step into marriage, just expect that there will be conflict. So many people walk into it just like Lori in 1978, doe-eyed and just, oh, we're going to always love being around each other. Everything's going to be great. We agree about everything. And then they get into marriage, and you don't agree on everything. And there are difficulties, and there are things where you're like, man, we just don't see eye to eye on this. Expect that that will happen. Because if you expect it and you prepare for it in a God-honoring way, you'll be ready. When those moments come, you'll, you'll realize we're not fighting with each other. We're fighting for each other. Like, we're, we're, we're on the same team in this because we've been preparing for this. And I know I, I love them with my whole heart, and they love me, and so we're, we're prepared for this. We need to expect the fight because no one, no one, no one is exempt. I would say let's not even just expect the fight. Let's welcome the fight. There's, there's sometimes we just need to straight up not just expect it and, whew, I'm ready for it. We need to prop the door open and be like, come on in. <laughs> come on in, Michael. Like, come on in. We need to welcome the fight because this is why the fight that you're running from might be the very thing that God's trying to draw you towards. The, the fight that you're like, I don't want to have anything to do with this. I'm, I, I just want to get away from it. It might be the very, like, the very thing that God's saying, no, I'm... Stop running. I'm trying to get you here. Like, I need you here. You have no idea what this is going to do for you. I need you in this fight. Listen to this. This is from Jesus' ministry. This is a conversation that he's having with his disciples. Jesus is constantly, constantly trying to lay out his game plan to his followers, and they just, every single time, they just don't get it. They do not get it. Uh, So Jesus tries it again here. This is from Matthew 16. It says, from that time onward, Jesus began to explain to his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things at the hands of the elders, chief priests, and teachers of the law, and that he must be killed and on the third day raised to life. Peter, one of Jesus' closest friends and followers, took him aside and began to rebuke him. Never, Lord, he said. This shall never happen to you. Jesus turned and said to Peter, get behind me, Satan. You are a stumbling block to me. You do not have in mind the concerns of God, but merely human concerns. You see, Peter is looking at this situation. He's looking at this situation, and he's thinking, we need to run from this. Jesus, if if we go to Jerusalem, what you're telling us, if this is true, they're going to kill you. We need to get as far away from this as we possibly can. We have got to run. And Jesus is saying, Peter, you're looking at this from finite human eyes. You have no idea what my father is up to. What looks like a problem to you is the whole point. Like it's the whole point. What you're trying to run from, I need to be running towards. We can't run from this fight. There are certain horror movie moments that are mandatory. This is not a problem. It's the whole point. So what if in your life, what if in your situation, that friendship that frustrates you, what if that's the point? What if that's the point? But man, we don't see eye to eye on things. They're, you know, I'm, I'm conservative. They're more liberal, and it feels like we're just always rubbing each other the wrong way. Right. What if that's the point? <laughs> what if God has brought this friendship into your life to show you that, hey, those people are people too. Those people are people I died for as well. 
What if that's the whole point, this problem that you're thinking, God, how can I, how can I like graciously back myself out of this friendship? How can I get away from this? It just feels like there's, there's a fight on the other side of this, and I, just, I need to back away. And God's saying, it's the point. Like that is the whole point. What if the problem is the point? <laughs> what if God has you there for that exact reason? What if the work that you hate because it's pointless and it just feels like, oh, it's just one thing after another and it's just, ugh, just a, a slog. What if that's the point? I know it's terrible and I know it's boring, but man, what if God is trying to do something in you to show you that even in the mundane he can do miraculous things, that he can, he can change you and that he's saying, look, I don't want you to be so formed by your circumstances. I want you to be formed by me. And so, yes, in this season, I'm, I'm trying to teach you. I'm trying to grow you. And what you see as the problem, I see as the point. What, what if you're in a church and it challenges you? Oh, right? Wow. A church that doesn't line up with literally every belief I possibly have. Shocking. I must flee. Like, what, what, if, what if a church doesn't believe the exact thing you believe on every single point of doctrine? And what if that is the point? What if that is the point? To just show you that, you know what? Man, there are like a thousand denominations. Not in a hyperbolic term, but no, literally, there are like a thousand denominations that all disagree on different things. And maybe being in a church where I don't agree with everything, this is showing me, you know what? The, the body of Christ is diverse. In the body of Christ, we may not have one denomination that all gets it perfect, but together, man, we, we reflect the fullness of God in such an incredible way. And what if that's the point that God is trying to show you, but you're seeing it as a problem you need to get away from? What if the issue, what if the fight in front of you, what if the whole thing is the point to begin with? We're, we're going to talk about this a whole, whole lot more in our next series that starts uh, next week. But man, there are some lessons that are only learned from a fight. There are some lessons that are only learned from a fight. I think it's Mike Tyson who said, uh, talking about going into the ring, everybody has a plan until you get knocked in the mouth. I, everybody goes in there saying, like, this is how I'm going to do it. This is the way I'm going to take a slow rounds one through three that I'm going to try to come in until you get popped. And suddenly everything <laughs> changes. And that is so true of us. There are some things that we only learn about ourselves in the middle of a fight there are certain things we only learn about God in the middle of a fight. And if we are constantly fleeing, constantly walking away from hard conversations, constantly walking away from taking risky steps of faith, if we're constantly doing that, we're constantly removing ourselves from situations where we don't agree with the people 100%, we miss it. We miss it. We don't grow in the way that we possibly could because we are hindering ourselves. We're hindering ourselves when the problem was the point to begin with. Problems can grow us. Fights can grow us. They can grow us, grow our faith in God. We have so many people here in our church who, who I could pass the mic to. They could preach a sermon about it. Mike Slice, an amazing, amazing man at our church, just celebrated, if I remember right, eight years of sobriety from, from addiction to different substances. Just absolutely incredible. And I, I guarantee you, I guarantee you, if you would hear Mike talk, what he would tell you, is of course, if I could go back and undo everything I did, I would. But at the same time, you know what? The, the stuff that God has taught me through this time, the, the stuff that God has shown me in the middle of this fight as I've fought to break out of this addiction, I can't even tell you, 
I can't even tell you how much it's meant to me, how it's shown me what kind of God I serve, and it's helped me be able to lead other people. And while, of course, I'd, I'm not saying that those decisions were the decisions that, oh, I'd make them again, but man, how God has turned it and used it for good in the middle of that fight, I learned certain things about God I would only know because I was in the fight. We have people, I mean, we just heard the testimony from Matt Ellis, I believe last week, talking about uh, uh, different struggles that he went through as a young kid, family struggles and, and health struggles, and how in the midst of those, he developed uh, mindsets and views of God and of church and of serving that are still empowering him today, today. In the middle of that fight, he learned something about himself and learned something about God. Pastor Brenda shared it in her Here and Now building campaign testimony, how trusting God with her finances in a new way, in like a more crazy way than she's ever done, and she's trusted him in some crazy ways before, how, how he's showing up, and she's learning even new things about God and about her relationship with him, and it's all because these people did not see the fight as a problem, but as the point. I'm supposed to push through. I'm supposed to come face to face with the killer and fight through. I'm not supposed to flee, back down, and run. Don't avoid the fight. Don't avoid the fight. Face it. Face it. Even when the option to run looks really, really good, because that's what our enemy does. He makes the option to run look really, really good. The enemy will use what seems good to keep you from what you should like little Dr. Seuss rhyming in there, right? The, the enemy will use what looks good to keep you from what you should. Jesus, we just read it from Matthew 16. Jesus knew what he should do. He knew what God had called him to do. He knew what his mission was here on earth to, to uh, uh, initiate the kingdom of God, culminating with his death and resurrection. That's what Jesus should do. But you know what looked good? Not going on the cross. <laughs> that looked really good, Right? Peter hears Jesus explaining this, saying that I'm, I'm going to go to the cross and I'm going to die. And Peter goes, what? Never, Lord. This shall never happen to you. I get that. I get where Peter's coming from. Peter is saying, like, hold on, hold on. Jesus, I've spent three years with you. Three years. I've gotten to see perfect love up close and personal. I've had breakfast with perfect love. <laughs> I've lived beside perfect love my entire life. Jesus, you're the most kind, compassionate, truthful person that has ever lived. And you're telling me you're gonna go somewhere where people are gonna kill you? No, the world needs you. You can't, you can't do this. That sounds good, doesn't it? Yeah, that sounds good. But what sounds good can absolutely 100% become the enemy of what should happen. And that's exactly what the devil does. The devil... I don't think there's going to be people in here who are tempted to, like, murder somebody. <laughs> I, don't, I don't think that will be your, your temptation. What will be your temptation are those little things that, man, they look good. It looks good, and it sounds good, and you could probably use some Bible verses to justify it, right? That's how the enemy gets us. He gets us to see something that looks good to keep you from what we should do. Um, whenever me and my wife, Jessica, moved to Cleveland to uh, start a church plant, um, we, we, had this op we had this option. <laughs> what looks good and what we should do. I've, I, I gotta tell you, I've twice in my life felt God talk to me. Like, not audibly, but just impressed on my heart to such a degree that I knew this is not me. 
That was to become a pastor and to move to Cleveland to start a church. That's it. Those are the only two things. I'm, I'm very careful. Even whenever I've had stuff, that I'm like, man, is that God or not? I'm like, nope, it's me. I'm not, I'm not putting that on God. Like, I don't want to pull the God card. I've only twice felt that. And so I was so certain about us moving to Cleveland. But, man, Cornerstone looked good. <laughs> Cornerstone looked good. I was leaving behind a, a, a job and a paycheck and family and friends and comfort and uh, just an amazing situation with people leading an awesome church. Like, I, that was on one side, and that all looked really good. But what we knew we should do was something wildly different. And it was very tempting, very tempting to just go with what looked good. Very tempting. Because we could give ourselves Bible verses. <laughs> we could tell ourselves, well, it's not like our, our options aren't become a drug dealer or move to Cleveland and start a church. Well, I don't, God, please re- reveal your will to us. We're going to fast and pray to see what you want us to do in this situation. Like, it wasn't that. It was, you know, good thing and, and good thing. And what looked good, like what looked good, almost kept us from what we should do. It almost kept us from that. That's exactly how the enemy works. He wants to keep you from what you should do by introducing something good to you. That is why, man, and I, I can see it in your eyes. Like, well, how do I know the difference? The Holy Spirit. <laughs> That's it. You have got to be walking in the spirit. That is why it is so important to be following Jesus. Because even when you go to somebody else for advice, they're only knowing what you're telling them. They're only know part of the story. They don't really know everything. Jesus, the Holy Spirit, God, they're the only one that actually know every aspect of the story, every twist and turn. They, they know everything. And so you've got to be in such lockstep following the spirit that you feel that conviction saying, hey, look, I know this looks good. I know this may even look godly, but you know better. You know this is not what you should do. This is not what I had in mind for you. We have got to be so careful that what's good doesn't prevent us from what we should do, even if that should (laughs) involves a fight. Can I tell you that the vast majority of it, we talk about it at Cornerstone all the time, it's part of our mission statement, helping people find the father, a family, and a fulfilling future. And I want to tell you, just about every fulfilling future that you want, the fulfilling future you see for yourself, it exists on the opposite side of a fight. It just does. A fight against a habit that you're not wanting to break, a fight against a mindset that you're, you're just clinging on to, a fight against a relationship that you know you have no business being in, and it exists just on the other side of that. Just on the other side. We cannot avoid the fights. We have got to push through and face the fights that Jesus leads us towards. You and I, we have got fights with our name on them. We just do. There's conversations that need to happen. There's people that need to be talked to. There's things that need to be stopped. God God is calling you to stay somewhere. God's calling you to leave somewhere. God's calling uh, you to, to talk to somebody. God's calling you to bite your tongue and stop talking. (laughs) That's for some of us, right? God's calling you to give. God's calling you to serve in a new way. And you will have incredibly noble reasons, just like Peter, for why you should flee instead of fight through that discomfort. You'll have very godly sounding reasons for why you should just back up and say, ah, well, I I know that I have this fight, but I'm just going to go over this way because of this Bible verse, (laughs) because of the song that really spoke to me today. And have really noble reasons to flee, but God will let you know. 
If it's a God-ordained fight, something you need to push through, something that you need to face, he will let you know, and you with confidence can follow him into the fight. You can follow him into it, and you need to follow him into it. You want to know why? Because if you're a Christian, if you're a Christ follower, Jesus is Lord. Can we just declare that together? Jesus is Lord. That means he is your king. That means that he he doesn't seek your opinion on what we should do. (laughs) He tells you. He directs you. Listen again to what he says to Peter here. Peter tells him that he won't do this. Jesus says, get behind me, Satan. You're a stumbling block to me. He says, get behind me. Essentially what Jesus is saying in this moment is, Peter, who do you think you are standing in front of me trying to lead me? Get behind me. (laughs) You're not Lord. You don't get to direct the, the battle plan here. I wasn't asking your opinion on what you think about my plan to go to Jerusalem and suffer and die and rise again. I I wasn't asking your opinion. I was telling you what we're doing. So you can get back in line and you can follow me into the fight because we're not running. I'm not running. I'm, I'm constantly going into the fight and you can either join me or you can flee. But if you join me, no, you're not going through it alone. Like, you will never fight alone because I am going in front of you. Jesus is Lord. That means we follow him even into the midst of the fight. Even in the midst of the fight. I'm going to ask the worship team if if they would come up real quick as we get ready to close out today. Uh, As we wrap up the series, I really just want to stress this point. If If you want to survive... If you want to survive, if you want to save yourself, if you want to survive a horror movie, it's never going to happen by fleeing the fight. It can sound tempting, right? You may think that whenever you watch these horror movies, like, man, just go hide somewhere for a little while. (laughs) Like, just, just go and hide. But if you watch any of those, you know the killer always finds that person too. Because some horror movie moments are just inevitable. They're just going to happen. And in fact, you want to know one of the interesting things? I'm, I'm a horror movie connoisseur, as you can tell. I've watched a lot of them. You want to know one common denominator? Every horror movie, every horror movie that ends with the killer being killed, every single one that I've seen, it's because there was at least one person who stopped running and faced the fight. Every single one. Every single one, there's at least one person who says, I'm done. We're not running anymore. I'm taking the fight to them. I'm going to face the fight. I'm going to do what I know I'm supposed to do. The same is true in our life. If you want to survive, it's not going to be from from fleeing and taking flight. It's going to be from turning and facing the fight, of pushing through what God is calling you to do. I want to read to you as we close out today. This is from the book of 1 Peter. So, Peter is the man who, who, who just was trying to talk Jesus out of the fight. He's the man who's trying to tell Jesus, hey, let's, let's back up, let's do something different, let's not run towards the fight. And then Peter does it again. After Jesus is arrested, Peter denies even knowing him. Peter has a, a second turn, or a second chance to, to, to run towards the fight to say, yes, I'm here with Jesus, and instead he denies him, denies even knowing who he is. But yet, after Jesus' death and resurrection, Jesus reinstates Peter, gives him confidence, gives him bravery and courage in such a brand new way. It changes everything 
for Peter. Peter goes from being someone who constantly is trying to run from conflict to someone who is running towards it. In fact, if you read the book of Acts, you'll see that Peter, this man who was so scared of people, scared of a, of a young girl that who, who brought up, hey, you know Jesus, I've seen you with him, and he was scared of her, saying, no, I don't even know the man. That same man, Peter, about a month and a half after Jesus' death, Peter would be in the streets, the very streets of the city where Jesus was killed, preaching about the fact that Jesus is Lord and that he's alive again. That's amazing. That's incredible. This man who used to run and used to flee from conflict was now openly embracing it, saying, hey, Jesus is alive again. That Jesus that you all killed, he's alive. There's only one way that happens. There's only one way that happens that Peter goes from someone who would flee to someone who would fight, and that's that he knew he wasn't fighting alone. Peter 100% knew in his bones that Jesus was alive and that these fights that I used to be afraid of because what if, what if me and Jesus are separated? What if something happens here? He knew that nothing can separate us now. <laughs> like the, the same power that raised Jesus from the dead is now alive in me and it walks with me and it goes into every fight with me. There's nothing that can stop me. So I can face every fight knowing no matter what the outcome, as long as I walk through it with God, I'm gonna be good. I'm gonna be completely and utterly good so I won't fear the fight. Listen to what Peter says in his letter. First Peter, this is chapter one, verses three through seven. I'm gonna ask you if you would stand as we read this and get ready to close out. Peter, the, the Peter who used to flee, this is what he says. Praise be to the God and the Father, our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade. This inheritance is kept in heaven for you, who through faith are shielded by God's power until the coming of the salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last days. In all this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while you may have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. But these trials have come so that you can have proven genuineness of your faith, of greater worth than of gold, which perishes even though refined by fire, that it may result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. Do you see what Peter's saying? The same Peter who was so terrified of fights, he is now describing the trials that he's gone through, the persecution, as grief for just a little while. He went from being someone who was petrified to someone who was powerful in the name of Jesus. And it's because he knew he wasn't facing the fights alone. And the same truth that Peter knew is the same truth that you and I can know. We do not face our fights alone. God himself goes before us. So we don't need to flee. We can fight. Heavenly Father, we are so thankful for the truth of your word. We're thankful for the power that it conveys and the truth that it gives us, the truth that there is not a single battle we face that we face alone. And it's with that confidence that we can stop running from the fight and instead turn towards it, turn our face towards it. Like you, like your son Jesus going to Jerusalem, we can do the exact same thing, marching towards the battles of our life, knowing we can see victory because we don't fight the battle alone. The battle is fought and it belongs to you. Well, that's all for this week. Thanks again for joining us. If you'd like to contact us or find out more about our ministry, head over to our website at cornerstonechurch.info. Have a great week.